and welcome to 100 Mistakes Academic Writers Make and How to Fix Them, a podcast for academics and other writers who need to get work done. I'm Stephanie Dunson, PhD, a writing coach and consultant with over 20 years of experience working with faculty at some of the nation's top colleges and universities. In the spirit of spreading news about support available to faculty writers, we have a special episode this week to promote another podcast designed to help you face the demands of scholarly life. It's called The Academic Imperfectionist, and it's hosted by our special guest, Dr. Rebecca Roach. She brings a philosopher's perspective to bear in her exploration of the same challenges I aspire to address here on my show. I know you'll gain a lot from her story and her insights, so you'll definitely want to stay tuned. My guest today is Rebecca Roach, Senior Lecturer of Philosophy at Royal Holloway University of London. In addition to teaching practical ethics, logic, philosophy of mind, philosophy of psychiatry, philosophy of language, and early modern philosophy, she's a prolific scholar, a novelist, and creator and host of The Academic Imperfectionist. Welcome, Rebecca, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about your podcast, The Academic Imperfectionist. How would you describe it? And how did it come about? Well, it's a combination of coaching and philosophy, so which also sort of tells you something about how it came about. I'm interested increasingly in philosophy as applied to sort of real world issues and problems. So, you know, things that people in general would be interested in, not just six researchers. And I've been getting sort of more and more applied throughout my career. And I think in a way, the coaching and podcasting is just a continuation of that. Mm. Um, I went on a course about mentoring at work a couple of years ago because we covered coaching a little bit there. It occurred to me that philosophy would be a good tool, actually, for coaching Mm. just because of the way it proceeds by examining underlying values, identifying assumptions that we don't always realise that we're making, questioning patterns of thought. I mean, these are all sort of central tools of the philosopher Mm. and they're also really important in coaching. So I started doing a little bit of coaching and the podcast came about through that and through, I guess, noticing that there's certain problems that occur for a lot of people. I coach mainly academics and just things like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, anxiety about how much we produce and so on. These sort of pop up again and again including with me. So, um, so I thought that a podcast would be a good idea, just make, make some insights about it more widely available. Mm. Um, but I also think it's kind of a form of therapy for myself as well, because all of the issues I'm podcasting about are things that I've struggled with myself and things that I, I haven't necessarily taken the time to step back and examine properly in myself, but I have done, you know, when, when coaching other people. And so it's it's an opportunity really to sort of think aloud. I mean, I'm partly talking to myself in those episodes, I think. I'm curious about the title. Why the academic imperfectionist? Oh, right. So perfectionism is something that underlies all these struggles. And it's not just about setting high standards for ourselves. It's about the whole way we view our work and our abilities and our progress towards our goals. We think about this and we don't even necessarily realise how we're thinking about it. Mm. And I love what you talk about in your podcast about metacognitive awareness and, and writing. So I think like something like imposter syndrome, moving our goalposts, lack of assertiveness. The, these are all problems that arise from 
almost like a voice in our head telling us that uh, we're not doing enough mm-hmm. and whatever we do we're not doing enough so I think that that that's kind of how it arose just noticing that perfectionism underlies a lot of these things and also the start of my my sort of launching the coaching really coincided with my own experience of working with a coach of my own anxieties around writing which got so bad that I would sit down at my computer and within five minutes I was looking at Facebook and it would go on all day yeah and I and I couldn't work it out I couldn't work out why (laughs) and just working with my coach it's and journaling it became clear that it was anxiety underlying Mm. all of this and it was anxiety about perfectionism I just need to write a word and then there's already a potentially a problem with it (laughs) so it's really holding me back and then just seeing this same fear and anxiety reflected back at me through um, people I'm coaching as well I just thought oh god this is like a really big issue and it's really bolstered by academic culture I think where you know everything's about excellence and um, it's so competitive and you know you can lose out on a job because somebody else is just a tiny bit tiny bit better than you Um, so I think it's it's a real problem And I know at some schools, there's even that idea of effortless excellence, that somehow people should be great at everything and aspire to make it seem like they're not even trying. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah. So your first episode was on toxic gratitude, and one of your more recent ones was on the importance of wasting your time. Can you talk about other topics you've explored in the podcast? Are there episodes that have been particularly well-received or that you especially enjoyed putting together? I think the most popular episode was one I did on Aristotle and assertiveness. Hmm. It's on sort of applying Aristotle's philosophy. It, well, kind of into practical suggestions, really, about how we can cultivate assertiveness in ourselves. Um, and I'm not sure whether it was to do with the topic or it might that that was the episode with which I launched the podcast. So that might be partly because of it. But I think that the ones that I've had the most positive feedback about have been sort of fairly unsurprising really imposter syndrome goalpost moving procrastination <laughs> i think that these are these are all topics that you know if you just had to reel off a list of issues that we grapple with when we're privately you know there's there's just us and the computer and the blank uh-huh. screen and there's um and, and we're trying to get some words down i think you know these are all demons that we struggle with all the time yeah goalpost moving is a big one what are some of the things that came up in that discussion Right. Yeah. So we, we set goals for ourselves. And then when we achieve them, instead of celebrating and congratulating ourselves, we we find a reason to complain because we didn't do even more or we diminish the goal. We use the fact that we achieve our goals as evidence that they weren't ambitious enough. We never pause to congratulate ourselves. This is you know really characteristic of perfectionism. I think I characterized perfectionism near the start as sort of part of it involving having high standards but I think if it was just high standards that were specifically defined that would be something (laughs) but but they're sort of vague high standards Uh uh you know we just tell ourselves that we need to do better without giving ourselves anything specific to aim for yeah and I think goal goalpost moving is something that comes in there yeah we're constantly saying that we're very reluctant to congratulate ourselves yeah yeah
One of the things I take issue with here in the States, I'm not sure if it's the same over there, is that although academics are expected to be proficient and prolific writers, we're actually not trained to be writers in grad school. We're trained in our areas of study, but writing the dissertation itself is generally a kind of trial by fire that we do more by force of will than through the acquisition of any actual repeatable methodology. I'm convinced this is one reason why so many academics here have such a fraught relationship with writing once they enter the profession. But how does that compare with how academics are prepared for the writing life in Britain? Yeah, um, I think it's better now than it was when I was a graduate student. At my institution, the, the graduate students in my department have a course that they do, which is sort of just preparing them for, well, research skills, broadly conceived, um, although obviously that includes things other than writing. We had something like that when I was a graduate student, but it, it was a lot briefer. But I do think it's almost like, you know, the problem of comparing ourselves to somebody's Instagram, where you have, you know, sort of perfect cupcakes with a flattering filter <laughs> and so on. And we're sort of thinking, oh, God, you know, nothing I do looks like that. Because, well, as academics, generally, we see other people's perfect finished products, or what we see as their perfect finished products, we see the finished article, we never see the, the draft, or the, you know, we never see how many journals rejected a certain article or how many revisions were done before it's actually published. And I think as we go through our careers, we sort of learn how this works, right? We, we sort of learn that first draft looks different <laughs> to, what's, to what you finally see in the journal or the, or the published book. But I think as, as graduate students, we, we don't yet know how much effort goes into it. And so I think you can do things to help graduate students learn the craft of writing, you know, the, the training, but I think it's not all about training. It's about learning what goes on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, learning that everybody's a rubbish writer. <laughs> Is that the thing that motivated you to include the portion on your webpage that you identify as a list of failures and lowlights? Yes. Uh, so there's a, a brilliant philosopher called Ray Langton, who's at Cambridge, and she has a list of failures on her website. And, and so I stole the idea off her. Because I just think it's really important, especially for people starting out, Mm -hmm. that they're, you know, they're sort of going through the rounds of applying for jobs and getting nowhere. You know, it's just the numbers game, isn't it? Sort of often you don't even hear back. And, you know, I've been in that position and I know how distant the goal can seem. And so I think, you know, that those of us who are insecure employment can just as a a little favor to the people who are trying to get to where we are just sort of show them that the final finished product is not all there is there's you know this struggle that went on all the stuff that led up to it which looks very much like what the the job seekers are going through right now yeah yeah so you mentioned that you earlier had struggles with your own writing and that led you to work with a coach which helped you to have something of a breakthrough It seems like there's a lot that must have happened between you going to a coach because of your struggles and becoming a coach yourself. What was the evolution that basically moved you from one end of the equation to another? Mm. Well, I was seeing a a psychoanalyst for a while. I mean, not as long as people often see psychoanalysts, but um, this was one of the issues I was I was trying to work on with her. And I learned a lot about myself through that process, but I didn't really make much progress on the writing anxiety the writing problem and so I stopped seeing her actually I stopped seeing her when I got diagnosed with ADHD 
because at that point I thought it was almost like a mindset shift. I thought if this is something neurological, I don't want to keep having therapy under the assumption that it's a sort of behavioral psychological thing. Although actually, I think it's not, it's more complicated than that. It's, it's both and all sorts of other things besides. But um, I wanted to hit pause on it and just sort of recalibrate. So in that pause, I started looking into coaching myself. And, and it was really, I, I, I did a bit of training with a coaching organization. And as part of their, thank you for joining us, they offered to put the participants in touch with somebody who's training to be as a coach. So that's how I found my coach, who is fully qualified now. And it was just, it was just brilliant. I made more progress on on my writing in the first month than I had in months of psychoanalysis, which is not to do down psychoanalysis because it's not a results orientated thing. Whereas the, the coaching was, that's kind of what coaching is, you know, specifically sort of what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to get to? Let's work out how to get there. So I had this very specific goal which was I just want to finish my book and then it was working on sort of specific interventions that I could use to get through that and then there was this sort of positive feedback with the coaching that I was doing because I was I mean you hear this a lot don't you sort of when people are learning to be coaches um, they're advised to uh, have coaching themselves right and I think that really you know sort of spurred me on I thought wow this is something that really makes a difference and it's making a difference to me in an area which I know is not a problem that I alone suffer from so really it's sort of you know it went both ways the coaching and being coached that's great that's great so all indications are that as a scholar and a teacher with the podcast and other media you're involved in you keep pretty busy and yet you also manage to keep a robust pace of publication which is kind of surprising especially given the way you're talking about your past struggles what does your writing process look like now? What's your general writing routine? Right. Can I pause there to say that when you, so this, I guess, is sort of typical imposter syndrome. When you're describing me like that, I thought, oh, this sounds very flattering. And, you know, it probably must be inaccurate. <laughs> well, actually, it's not. But gosh, I really can't relate to that um, sort of view of me as a, a productive, efficient person. But yeah, just pausing to note the little, the, the sorts of things that our inner critics say about ourselves. Um, yes, so my writing process, I, one of the most useful things I did, apart from having coaching, is, is um, pay attention to what time of day I'm able to write. And for me, it's early morning. So I, I get up before the children do. So I usually get up around six every morning Monday to Friday and try and get some writing done for an hour before they're awake that's not for everybody but but for me I think it's really if I haven't written anything by eight o'clock then as far as writing is concerned the day is lost you know I can focus on getting other things done but but not writing so that was something that was a really important insight I I had about myself you know that the the time of day matters I think also something that I heard recently really resonated with me. I listened to an interview with Greg McKeown, who's he's written a book called Essentialism. And in an interview, he talked about the fact that sometimes when we have a task in front of us, we're just sort of almost assuming that it's going to be a real drag and it's going to be effortful and exhausting. And he suggests um, take a step back and saying, what would it look like for this to be a lot easier? Or what would it look like for this to be effortless? And I found that's really 
that's really surprisingly effective because I I notice that I do what he says that people shouldn't do. You know, I will just assume that something's going to be burdensome and, you know, that it's going to take hours and that it's going to be depleting and so on. And I've noticed that my tendency to think that isn't really linked to the amount of effort that the task requires. It's linked to how important it is for me. So if it's something really important, I've kind of already decided this is I'm going to have to give my all to this task or it's never going to get done. Which, of course, isn't the case. You know, sometimes things do run a lot more smoothly than you expect. And I noticed actually that with my podcast, I, I, I think because I've committed to producing an episode every two weeks and it's just me that does it and I have to squeeze it in alongside everybody else. I just know I haven't got months to spend on each episode, so I just have to get it done. And I do. And I think that's partly because I've I've just sort of mentally allocated a certain period of time in my two weeks to, to getting the episode out. And so I've been experimenting with trying to treat my writing a bit more like that, you know, my, my, my research writing, you know, sort of what, what would this look like if I only had two weeks to do it? What would I be doing next? Probably not reading something peripherally relevant. <laughs> I know you talk about this, don't you, in your podcast? But yeah, it's um, it's almost like a chess game that we play with ourselves, where we kind of have this this mental opponent that's trying to make our lives difficult, and who tells us that it's not worth doing unless it's difficult, right? or if it's important, it has to be difficult. And it's sometimes that's that's not the case. Sometimes it can be simple, and there's you know that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a trap, or that what we're producing is worthless. That's really terrific advice. It's been a real treat having you on the show, Rebecca, and I appreciate you taking the time. It was great to learn more about your podcast and hopefully introduce some more listeners to it. I think you're doing really great work, and um, I'll continue to be tuning in every episode. Be well. Take care. Well, that's the end of today's episode, but it's actually not the end of my conversation with Rebecca. In fact, I'm posting a bonus episode this week to share more of our conversation. Among other things we discuss are upcoming topics she has planned for the academic imperfectionist, so you'll want to check it out. Oh, and by the way, as of the time of this recording, there are still a few slots left in my August 30th to September 10th schedule. If you'd like to sign up for a free writing consultation with me, go to 100writingmistakes.org and click on the Coaching, Workshops, and Promotions tab. If you found this episode helpful, give the show a positive rating on your pod platform of choice. Even better, subscribe to automatically receive new episodes every two weeks as soon as they're posted. This will really help get the word out about the series. Also, spread the news about the podcast to colleagues and friends you think might benefit, because faculty are the most underserved writers on any college campus, and with your help, I want to change that.